Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Baptize Beck and Dee. I want to read a few verses that come before actually the verses that Beck read in her testimony. So Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I'm going to start reading at verse 1. And it says this, For what shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word. And as we just take a moment now to look into it ever so briefly, we thank you, Lord, for all that you are saying and doing to us. And uh, Lord, we thank you that as we think about these baptisms this morning and these young ladies who are being baptised, we thank you for what Jesus has done for us. And we ask, Lord, that as we celebrate this together, that you'd remind us again of uh, the life that you've given to us to live, free from the worry of death, free from the bondage to sin, free to live for you. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. A young couple were standing in the check-in line at the airport. Now, if you've ever flown, you'll know what it's like to stand in the check-in line. It's what I call the airport shuffle. You move about a step about every two or three minutes and it takes, seems to take forever to get to the actual check-in desk to check your bags in. As they were standing in the line, the husband was kind of staring off into the distance and out of the blue, rather wistfully, he said, wish we'd have brought the piano. We should have brought the piano. And the wife said, the piano? What do you want the piano for? We've got 15 bags already. And the husband said, yeah, I know but the tickets are on the piano. <laughs> All faith communities have what we call sacraments. They're special rites or rituals or traditions, if you like, that represent some aspect to the faith tradition. 
for example, in the Catholic tradition, there are uh, something like seven or up to ten different sacraments that are celebrated, depending on the order of the Catholic Church. The Eastern Orthodox Church, the Greek Orthodox Church, they have, I think, ten different sacraments that they celebrate. Uh, for just to give you an idea, with, within the Catholic Church, for example, the the uh, sacraments that they would celebrate there are the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper that we've shared in this morning, a baptism that we're going to share in later on, confession is a sacrament within the Catholic Church, also confirmation, and there are several others that are very important uh, uh, rituals or traditions that are part of their faith, and they help those rituals and traditions help to not only express some aspect uh, of the faith, but it's also understood that they also impart some element of grace in the believer. In our Protestant tradition, which is what we're a part of, uh, we recognise two sacraments, and they're actually the sacraments that Jesus left for us. You remember just before Jesus was crucified on the cross, as uh, Leanne read for us and spoke about earlier, Jesus said to them, as often as you meet, do this in remembrance of me. And he passed around the bread for them to share together and he passed around the wine for them to share in that. And uh, in the communion meal, we're remembering the work that Jesus has done for us. Now, Leanne did a really good job at, at explaining what we're celebrating there. But I think we, we also need to really get it clear in our minds that when we share this sacrament, and some people would say you do it every week, it's just a tradition, but when we share this sacrament, what we're remembering is that Jesus' body, as, again as Leanne mentioned, was broken for us, just as the bread that Jesus passed around was broken to share out to his followers. And in his body, all of the rebellion, the rejection, the consequences of that rebellion and rejection of God were carried in his body so that he could take our place in punishment, which involved death. And that's what we remember when we break, in our case, the biscuits, and share those together. That's what we're remembering. And of course, Jesus in his body carried all of our rebellion and rejection of God and all of the consequences of that, our sickness, our sadness, our loneliness, our bitterness, our anger, our guilt, our shame, all of that, all that you've ever done in the past and all that you will ever do into the future, carried all of that on his body. And when he was buried, dead of course, all of that stuff was buried with him. And when he was raised to life again, death, which is the ultimate enemy, has no power over him anymore because he was raised back to life. Now, all of our rejection of God, all of our sin, all of our uh, rebellion against him is going to result in death. And so the Bible talks about death having mastery over us, or death being the final enemy, or, or death being the ultimate result of rebellion against God. But Jesus buried that when he was 
put to death and when he was buried and then broke the hold of that when he rose again. Then Jesus passed the cup of wine, or we're assuming it was a cup of wine, he passed the wine around for his disciples to share in. And as he passed it around, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Now, there are some words there that we don't really use a lot in modern English. And the word covenant is one of those. You hear about it in legal terms, but we don't use it in everyday language very much. But a covenant in, in Bible times was a binding agreement. Now, you break the covenant, you die. That's how binding it was. And if you made a covenant with someone back in Jesus' day, no one was prepared to break that covenant because it would involve death. So this is a binding covenant. So what's the binding covenant that Jesus is making with his blood? Well, again, again, explain it very well. As Jesus' blood was poured out, all of that rebellion, rejection, guilt, shame, grief, loneliness, everything that is a consequence of humanity's rebellion against God was washed away because of Jesus' blood poured out. And that means forgiveness for us. Washed clean, forgiven, so that God's righteousness could flow to us again. And in this book of Romans, if you read chapter 5, you'd read there that they talk about sin coming into the world because of what one person did. That was Adam. Well, it was probably Eve, really, but we're going to blame Adam. Sin came into the world because of what one person did. So forgiveness and freedom from sin comes also into the world because of what one person, Jesus, has done for us. That's what we celebrate as we celebrate the sacrament of communion. Now today we're going to celebrate the sacrament of baptism, the other sacrament that Jesus passed on to us. It's said that if we remember the work of Jesus in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, then in baptism we're remembering the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember for those of you that have read the story, in Matthew chapter 3, when John the Baptist was uh, preparing the way for Jesus to begin his ministry, John said about Jesus, I baptise you with water for the forgiveness of your sins, but he, Jesus, will baptise you in the Holy Spirit. Remember in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus himself was baptised in water, it says that as Jesus came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove. When uh, Jesus was speaking to his disciples in, in uh, John chapter 7, he said to them that um, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink and rivers of living water will flow out of you. And then the verse goes on to say, this he said about the Holy Spirit. So you see there's a connection between water in baptism and the Holy Spirit. The disciples, when the church first started in the book of Acts chapter 2, 
you remember that the Holy Spirit was poured out. Uh, Peter, the leader of the followers of Jesus at that time, preached a, a good message. And at the end of Peter's message, all the people s said to him, the people were convicted by what Peter said. And at the end, they said to him, well, what are we supposed to do? And Peter said to them, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptised for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. So as we read through the Bible, we see that baptism and water, it's nice and warm, is connected with the work of the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to celebrate, as we've celebrated the work of Jesus as we shared the Lord's Supper. So here, we're going to celebrate the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, what's that work look like in us? I want to just take you to a little story. Actually, I'm only going to refer to the story in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And uh, the first couple of verses say this, and it's a little bit cryptic, but I'll try and explain it for you. It says this, for I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptised into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, I get it that you haven't had the backstory to that, so that won't make a lot of sense. But I'll try and explain. In those couple of verses, the writer was referring to the time when God's people left Egypt. God's people had been slaves in Egypt for 400 odd years and they'd been bound up there in slavery, couldn't escape, had to do what they were told day in day out and the work got harder and then God called Moses to go and lead his people out. Well of course the Egyptians didn't want to give up their slaves so there was a whole to do about uh, letting the people go. You can read about that in the book of Genesis and Exodus in the Old Testament. Exciting story, but eventually the Egyptians did let them go. So the people of God started on their journey out of slavery towards the promised land. But then they found themselves trapped between the sea in front and the enemy advancing behind. Well, after crying out to God, we read that God opened the sea, the Red Sea, and they were able to walk through the Red Sea on dry land. When the enemy tried to follow them, God caused the sea to close up again and the enemy was destroyed. And so God's people are said to have been baptised as they went through the sea. Now you might find yourself trapped, can't advance, enemy behind. You might feel like they did from time to time in life. But you need to just get a sense of what life was like for them as they went through that baptism process. You see, when they were in Egypt, they had no choice but to serve their masters. Now, they've been set free from slavery, they've been baptised, the enemy has been destroyed, and now they've got a choice to make. You see, you would think that people coming out of slavery 
would be so thankful and happy to be free again that they'd never want to live like that again. But that's not the case. If you read the story, you find that God's people kind of wavered. They wanted to follow God, but it was so enticing sometimes to live like slaves for some reason. And you know, you and I face the same choice. As we read that few verses from Romans chapter 6, it told us that we've been crucified with Jesus. And as I mentioned, our sin, our rejection of God, and all of the consequences of that have been buried with him. And as he rose again, defeating the power of the enemy against us, so we've been set free. And that's great news. But you know, every day, you have to make a choice. Am I going to live like a free person, or do I want to live like a slave again? And that's where this wrestling of life comes from. We are set free, but there's something in us, humans, that likes to live like slaves from time to time. We like to do those things that we could do as a slave. The only problem with that is the result of that is more slavery. So as we understand the story of God's people, their journey through the wilderness which lasted for 40 odd years, was a, a journey of alternating between following God with all they had and wishing they could go back and be slaves again. So our lives are also a journey of wanting to follow God with everything we have, but also the human tendency, the temptation the voice of the enemy calling us to want to live like slaves again. Now, this few verses that we read from the book of Romans tells us that we've actually been set free from the life of slavery. And just as Jesus won a victory over death and sin and everything that's a part of rebellion against God, so we have because we've been crucified with him buried with him and raised to new life with him. And that happened when we were born again, when we gave our lives to Jesus. And so at the end of that passage that I read, it says, the death Jesus died, we also died, but the life he lives, we also live. And now he lives to God. So we have the opportunity now to choose to Live for God, to live free. Once we could only serve our slave masters. We were bound up in that old life of slavery to rebellion against God. But now we've been set free from that. And today we're going to celebrate the fact that we've got that freedom that Jesus has given us to live for God with everything that we have. And although there's a tendency and we've got to make choices every day about which master we're going to serve, we have the opportunity to serve Jesus and we have the opportunity to live for him. And if we choose to do that, we'll experience the life that he lived. We'll be able to live the quality of life that Jesus lived. And slavery will have and that old master that we once served will have no dominion over us. So I don't want to 
give either D or Beck a false illusion that suddenly as they go through the waters of baptism that magically all of their old tendencies are going to disappear. We still face the temptation to want to go back and be slaves again. But you don't have to. You don't have to. You can live for Jesus because now we've been set free from that old slave master. So, enough talk from me. I think what we're going to do is I'd like to invite uh, Beck and Dee up. Now, uh, both Beck and Dee have asked that Leona and Wally would be involved in uh, their baptism, so they're going to come up as well. Wally's he's ready for a swim. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to come up, and, and I'd like to pray. We'd like to pray together for you. And uh, as, as we go to the baptism, feel free to gather round. This is a time to celebrate. So gather round, take photos. Let's uh, cheer what God is doing and has done. So let's pray. Can we pray with you? And uh, we better, might just grab that other microphone. Oh, yeah, and, uh, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for, for Dee and for Beck, and we thank you, Lord, that they've been set free from the old slave master who kept them bound. They've been set free to live for you. And so, Lord, as they have gone through uh, your death and your burial when uh, they were born again, and, and also your resurrection to new life, we want to pray, Lord, that you'd pour more and more of your life into them, that they'd know that they'd experience every aspect of your life, Lord, as they live for you now. And Lord, I want to pray that as they go through uh, these waters of baptism, that you'd pour out your spirit on them, that you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you'd cause your spirit to be in them like that, uh, that well of water springing up to eternal life that's constantly bubbling up and refreshing and renewing. Pray that you do that, Lord, as, uh, as they go through the waters of baptism. We thank you for their testimony, Lord. We thank you for their new life in you. And Lord, today as we celebrate and as they testify before all of the people here that they've uh, died with you, that they've been buried with you, and now they've been raised up to new life with you, we want to pray, Lord, that you'd meet them in that and cause your spirit to be poured out on them in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Faithful God. Father, Jesus we thank you for your faithfulness to each one of these amazing young women, Lord, who've taken this time to set it aside, Lord, for you. And Lord, I know that as they, before they go in and as they come up out of the water, Lord, you will meet them exactly where they're at. We know that by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, you will change their hearts, you will change their minds, Lord, as they seek you and as you guide them, Lord. And that is my prayer, that they would both be young women of the Most High God, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that they would seek your heart, Lord, that, Lord, they would be diligent in the word and, Lord, that they would take the time to spend it with you. Father, we just thank you for this testimony, the testimony of their hearts, where they get to celebrate what you've done in their lives. Lord, the faithfulness of their loving Heavenly Father, and we thank you for that. And Father, we know today that heaven is celebrating. Just as we are celebrating as a body of Christ, we know that heaven is celebrating. 
Lord, we know that the angels are singing praises. Lord, we just thank you for that. Praise you for these two. Ask for your hedge of protection to be around both of them, their hearts and their minds, that you would guard them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.